Yeah, I was thinking this last week, I was looking at where people are connecting to God all around the world through our services. And I saw that we've got regular viewers in Paraguay, in Puerto Rico, in the United Kingdom, in Spain, and all across the United States, watching in all sorts of different time zones. But you know what? There's one thing every single one of us has in common. We all have a mom. Uh, someone gave birth to us, and what a picture that birth is so painful. There's so much self-sacrifice in motherhood. I don't think there's a more selfless calling or a more important calling than being a mom. So moms, we love you so much. I've got to give a shout out to my own mom. Here's a picture of me when I was a little guy. <laughs> I love this picture because uh, you can't see the whole context here, but we're at the beach and I'm crying. And now that I'm a parent of young children, I can only imagine how stressful this moment was for my mom. But look at this. She's just got this beautiful smile on. I mean, now that I'm a parent of young kids, I know what it's like when you go to the beach and you've got the diaper bag and the toys and you're worried about kids running into the water. And apparently I was that kid who when everyone else was trying to have a good time, I'm just crying and wailing. You know, I have this picture up on the wall at my house because when I see it, it reminds me how much my mom loves me. Uh, shortly after this, I was diagnosed with a really rare disease called Kawasaki's disease. Kawasaki, like the motorcycle, for those of you dudes watching along, yes, it's spelled just like the motorcycle. It's just not nearly as fun. And I had Kawasaki's disease, and as a result, for about a year of my life, I was just attached to my mother. And I can only imagine now that my kids are starting to grow up, what it was like emotionally for my mom when this little boy who cried and needed her so desperately became a teenager and like most teenagers went through a season where I didn't want anything to do with her and then went out into the world on my own to try to find my way and establish who I am. And as a mother, you go from having complete control over a person who completely wants to connect with you to slowly losing that control and eventually that little baby becomes an adult and you no longer have control over their decisions. You no longer have control over whether or not they connect with you. And now that I'm a parent, I have a small, I, I know I don't fully understand what it was like for my mom, but I've, I've got a, a small sense of how hard that must have been to release someone out into the world. You know, it's so hard for us when we can't control the things that matter the most to us. And maybe you're watching this and you're a parent and you're like, yes, it's my child who I can't control. That's what matters the most in the world to me. Or maybe you're watching this and it's not your kids that are out of control. Maybe it's your business. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your future. We all have areas of our lives that we can't control, areas that matter so deeply to us. I was talking yesterday with one of my best friends, and he works in an industry that the shutdowns of various industries may put him out of work at some point. And, and he has a highly skilled position. And we were on the phone talking. He lives in another state. And he's saying, John, if this industry, if I lose my position or get furloughed, I have no idea what I would do. And right now, what matters most to him, providing for his family and continuing in his career, it's completely out of his control. I remember for me and Melanie, 
The first time we got pregnant, we had a miscarriage, and then we had another miscarriage, and it was just so deeply emotionally painful, and each time you'd get a positive pregnancy test, it was just this emotional roller coaster because it was the thing that mattered the most in the world, but it was completely out of our control. I wonder for you, what is it right now in your life, that thing that matters so much to you, but you really can't control it? I know for me right now, it's the very future of our church. It's each of you as part of this flock staying part of what God's doing. I can't see your faces every week, and it's so hard for me. It's completely out of my control. Here's the question we're wrestling with today, all of us together. When you can't control what matters most to you, what do you do? When you can't control something that just matters so much, maybe it's a loved one, maybe it's your health that you can't control, maybe it's your career, like my friend I mentioned, maybe it's those pregnancy tests. When you can't control something in your life that matters so much to you, what can you do? Now, if I could answer this question for you in a way that gives you hope, that gives you inspiration, in a way that gives you some confidence in this situation that you can't control, would you want to know God's answer to this question? Well, every weekend, what we do here at Connection Point Online is we open the Word of God, and we say, what does God say about this question? Because here's the thing, even if you're watching this and you say, yeah, John, I don't even believe in God. I'm just watching because my mom asked me to for Mother's Day. Guess what? I'm so glad you're here. I've been where you are, and I'm so glad you're with us. But here's what I know we have in common. We have things that matter to us that seem out of control. And here's what I've learned in my life. There's a God who made you, a God who made me, and he cares about those things in your life those deeply emotional things that you can't control. He cares about these things. This is true for all people, and this was true for a woman named Hannah. Hannah lived thousands of years ago, and in her story, we're gonna learn what to do when the thing that matters the most to you is completely out of your control. Now, here's how Hannah's story starts in 1 Samuel 1. It says, year after year, it was the same. What was the same? Well, essentially, Hannah would go to a big family reunion. And at this big family reunion, all her sisters and cousins and relatives, they would all show up. And every year, they'd have new babies, and they'd have a whole bunch of their kids who were growing up. And Hannah would show up year after year, and she was unable to conceive. Now, Hannah lived in a shame and honor culture. Uh, shame honor cultures are cultures where your whole place in society has to do with if you're in a place of honor or a place of shame. And while this isn't God's plan for us, the culture that Hannah was in is one that shamed women who couldn't have children. So on top of the normal maternal desire that was completely unmet, she also was living in this cultural shame where she was despised. In fact, this uh, other woman in her life, Panina, Panina would make fun of her. I mean, you just bully her, would just be like, why don't you have any kids? You're worthless. And this happened year after year that they'd go to this big family reunion and every time it was just like rubbing salt in the wound of this thing that mattered the most to Hannah, but she couldn't solve it. She couldn't fix the problem. And look at this. 
as she got made fun of by the others around her year after year, I mean, could you imagine every year knowing it's, it's gonna roll around again, this big family reunion, I've gotta go, I'm gonna get made fun of, I feel like a total failure. I feel like I have nothing to contribute. The thing that matters most in life, I've failed at and it's out of my control. These are all the emotions that Hannah has. And it says every year, she would be reduced to tears and, and to the point that even she wouldn't eat. I wonder right now, where can you relate to that? Where can you relate to the year after year part of this? And where can you relate to being reduced to tears, or at least extreme inner angst by the things you can't control. Well, one time after the sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah gets up and she goes to pray. Now, this to me is so interesting because we just heard she's reduced to tears. She's at her lowest. She's like, nothing even sounds good to me, even though we're at this big family feast and there's all sorts of food, nothing sounds good. You've been there. Your emotions are so torn up that your stomach's unsettled and you can't even eat. I mean, she, she gathers up all her strength and she's like, if I can just do one thing, here's what I'm gonna do. And what an example to us, she goes and she prays. And as she prays, here's how it goes. Hannah was in deep anguish. And she's crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. I wonder, have you ever brought your emotions like this to God? I know people who've been believers for 30 years and they've prayed lots of religious sounding prayers, but they've never done this. They've never cried bitterly to the Lord. I mean, this is like a child crying out. I gotta be honest, my youngest right now, my kids are into playing freeze tag. Every evening when I, when I get home, we do a round of freeze tag. And my youngest, whenever I run up to her, she just has the loudest cry. She just goes, ah, it's so loud. Here's the thing, a parent, when a kid cries, we know that's a call for help and we run to them. And God wants you to cry out to him. I wonder, even if you don't yet believe in God, for me, my journey, I went through a season where I was like, God, I don't know if you're even there. But here's the thing I did in that season. I did cry out to him. I said, if you're not there, I don't want to waste my time. But if you are, if you are, I want to know you. And if you are, would you guide my steps in life? I mean, God, if you're real, show yourself to me. Wherever it is that you're most torn up in life, where you're most unsettled, bring it to God. Bring it to him. You can go on a walk. You can go on a drive. You can say it out loud. You can say, God, I'm not even sure about my faith right now, but I'm just crying out to you and bring him what you're most concerned about. Hannah models this for us so well. Well, she makes this vow as she's praying in verse 11. It says this, oh Lord, if you will look on my sorrow, God, you see what I'm so upset about. And if you will answer my prayer and give me a son, well then God, if if you do that, if you would just give me a son, it's the one thing I want in the world. It's the thing that matters the most to me. God, if you'll give me a son, then I'll give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire life. I would guess a lot of us watching this have prayed something like this. I remember a time when I was in a hospital bed with stroke-like symptoms. I said, God, if you ever give me the ability to speak again, I'm gonna use my, I'm gonna use it for you. 
Maybe you've had something in the past where you've prayed a prayer like this to God. And here's what's remarkable in Hannah's true story. Verse 19, time passes and the Lord remembered her plea. The Lord remembered. In other words, it happened a long time ago. Time has passed. You need to know as you hear this story, it's not like Hannah had this emotional moment with God and boom, the next day she's pregnant. Not at all. Time passes. In fact, look at this. In due time, she gave birth to a son. So as you hear this story, and maybe you're saying, John, I am calling out to God passionately. I am asking him to help, but nothing has changed. That was the case for Hannah for for many, many years. But eventually, in due time, she gives birth to a son. And after she gives birth to him, she remembers the vow that she made to God. God, if you'll give me a son... I'll give him back to you to be your servant. And so she actually names him Samuel, which means I asked the Lord for him. And she thinks every time I say my son's name, I'm going to be reminded that God gave this child to me. God met me at my lowest. And so let's return to you and your life. Let's revisit this question. When you can't control The thing that matters the most to you, and I know the Spirit of God is identifying what that thing is in your life, your career, your health, a relationship, whatever it is, maybe it's a child that you you love and now that child's making decisions you can't control. What can you do? Well, here's what we learn from the Word of God. What you can do is you can bring God what matters the most to you. Bring it to God just like Hannah did. Bring it to God with emotion, Bring it to God like Hannah did where she brought it to him consistently over and over. She returns to God. You know, God has the power in your life to turn your breakdowns into breakthroughs. He has the power in your life to take the dead ends where you just feel like there's nowhere else to go. And he can take your dead ends. He can turn them into living legacies. That's what's going to happen with Hannah. Her son, where this was just a dead end and she had no future, all of a sudden, God gives her this child. And as she surrenders back to God, her most valuable possession, her one and only son, as she gives that back to God, God's gonna raise him up to not just be a great boy or a great man, but to be a prophet who will shape the nations. And a prophet who has the most famous book in the world, the best-selling book of all time, has two books named after him, First Samuel and Second Samuel, All this happens because she brought to God the things that matter the most to her. She brought it to God in tears. She brought it to God consistently. And I just want to encourage you today, if you've been bringing your emotions to God, keep doing it. I know so many of you right now, you've got businesses and you're wondering, is my business going to survive all that's going on economically? Keep bringing that to God. You've got children you love. Others of you, you're trying to have children and it hasn't happened yet. Keep bringing it to God just like Hannah did. Don't give up. Others of you, you're watching and you think, yeah, I believe in God, I care, but you know, I haven't really brought him in emotion, with emotion like Hannah did. I haven't really brought him the things that matter the most. You can start doing that right now. You can join us here every weekend. You know what we do when we gather here online every weekend? We connect to God. And when you say, I'm going to make it a priority every weekend to be at church online with Connection Point, what are you doing? You're bringing your life to God. 
And every week when we open the word of God and when we worship, it's a chance for you to say, God, here's the things that matter the most to me. I got to tell you, in my life, I lived a season where I wasn't bringing stuff to God and it was so hard. And now bringing him things every day, every week, yes, hard things still happen in my life, but it's like you're constantly going to the healer. You're constantly going to the one who can give you peace. Well, I wanna give you today three things that you can do, three things that you can actually control when your life is completely out of control. I know there's things in your life right now that you can't control. That's true for me too. But let me tell you three things that you can control today. And these three things will help you bring to God the things that matter most to you. Here's the first one. Entrust your strongest emotions to God. This is what Hannah did. And I'd encourage you in your life application study Bible, and anytime you can text the word Bible to us, we'll get you one of these if you don't yet have a life application study Bible. You can read Hannah's whole prayer. It's deeply emotional. As you read it, you get the sense this is a person who was constantly bringing her feelings, her joys and her sorrows to God. She entrusted God with her emotions. And this is, I just cannot emphasize this enough. This isn't just something for women, okay, guys? We all have feelings and we all get angry. We all get frustrated and you can bring all that to God. And, and sometimes it's, it, it doesn't have to be long. It's as simple as just saying, God, I'm so annoyed right now. Help me, help me in this situation. I don't know how to be a good dad right now. I don't know what to do with my business right now. Bring it to God. And here's what we see in Hannah's life. As she entrusts her most powerful emotions, her strongest feelings to God, he ends up transforming her sorrow to joy. Now, this is a promise. As you trust in Christ, he will in time transform your tears of mourning into tears of celebration. It doesn't happen overnight. It, it doesn't always happen on our timeline, but it will happen if you'll keep bringing God your strongest emotions. You know, I saw a beautiful picture of this from a 12-year-old in our church family. Part of our vision here at Connection Point online and in Brownsburg, Indiana, is to raise up the strongest generation. And when I saw this video from one of our 12-year-olds, it just made my day because you know what she's doing? She's entrusting her strongest emotions to God. And as a 12-year-old, she's teaching the rest of us to do the same. Go ahead and take a look. I just wanted to take this time. This is not what I usually post. I usually post pictures of my dogs and all of that. But I just wanted to take this time and through this rough time that everyone's been through and cherish them and love them. God is with you. No matter what happens, God is with you and he will always be with you from the moment you woke up, from the moment you lay your feet down. God is with you. Keep that in mind. My favorite verse is walk by faith, not by sight. That just means to keep faith in for you and to keep it in for you and know that everything is with you and not to walk by your eyes. Keep thinking of God and walk by him like he's with you. That's my favorite Bible verse, everything. It's by 2 Corinthians. Make sure you go check that out. Just keep in mind God loves you and he's the one that can cherish you and love you no matter what. Thanks, Ava. I absolutely love that video because this is our desire as a church to raise up a generation that brings their emotions to God. You see, it's when you bring your emotions to God that you actually experience that he cares. 
It's one thing to hear that or even believe it in your mind, but you're not going to feel it in your heart until you do exactly what Ava said. Bring him your feelings. Believe that he cares about you. And here's why I teared up when I first saw that video from Ava. Because I happen to know that Ava and her family have been through a really difficult last few years. And Ava has a godly mother who has taught her that when life is hard, God's not against you. When life is hard, God's there for you. And when life is hard, you can bring your emotions to him. And as a 12-year-old, Ava's experiencing that you can pursue God with your strongest emotions and you can find that he's faithful. In the story that we're learning today, when Hannah couldn't control what mattered the most to her, she chose to bring her emotions to God. Now, let's look at after God provides for Hannah, what happens next in verse 27. Hannah says this, I asked the Lord to give me this boy. So now she's had Samuel. He's actually grown up. He's probably four or five years old here. And she says, God has granted my request. Now, verse 28, she says, I'm giving him to the Lord. Because remember, she made that vow. She said, God, if you'll give me a son, I'll give him back to you. And by the way, have you made a vow like that to God? And if you have, (laughs) have you held up your end of the bargain? I told you before, when I was in the hospital, I said, God, if you let me talk again, I'll use my mouth for you. I don't do it perfectly, but I try to do it faithfully. Maybe the spirit of God's bringing back to mind a vow that you once made. God, if you let me live, I'll give my life to you. Or if you let this business be successful, I'll give back to you. You know what that was? Hannah keeps her vow. She says, my, my, my beloved and cherished son, he belongs to the Lord and he's gonna belong to the Lord his whole life. And so she actually takes him to this tabernacle, which is far away from where she lives. And she dedicates him there to serve along with the priests and to grow up in the tabernacle, learning how to be a priest. In chapter two, verse 19, it says this, that Hannah only got to see Samuel once a year. I mean, can you imagine the emotion as a parent if you could only see your elementary age child one time per year? I gotta be honest. I think of my three kids. I don't know if I could have done this, but Hannah does this. She keeps her word to God. And each year, she spends the year sewing a small coat for him. And each year, she brings it to him when she returns to the tabernacle to to worship God there. I mean, can you just imagine the emotion of these times when Samuel and his mother would be reunited and she's continually giving this child back to God. And that's the second thing that you can control when life seems completely beyond your control. You can give what you most treasure to God. (laughs) I know that doesn't sound comfortable. Give what you most treasure to God. You're like, really, John? That's what I most treasure. But here's what Hannah experienced. And I've started to experience it in my life. You can experience it too. If you'll give God what you treasure the most, then guess what? He'll give you an eternal legacy. If you give God what you treasure most, he'll give you things that you could never get for yourself. You know, God gave us what he treasures most when he sent his son, Jesus. He had one son. And he sent him to die for us so that you can have eternal life. And if you're watching this and you've never placed your faith in Jesus, you've got to know God gave up what he most treasures 
so that if you'll believe in Jesus, you can have the gift of eternal life. I know your mom wants you to be with her in heaven forever. You have a godly, a heavenly father who is God, who wants you to be with him in heaven for all eternity if you've never trusted in Christ. You know, when I think of this principle, giving God what you treasure most, I think of times when my kids have a toy and it breaks and they bring it to me to fix it. So here's a good example, a little broken motorcycle. There's times when my kids, a toy will break and they'll bring it to me. And sometimes that toy for them, it's the thing they most treasure on that particular day or week. But the thing is, I can't fix what's broken in their life until they give it to me. And I've learned in my life that until I give God the thing that's broken, until I give him the thing that matters the most, he's not gonna fix it. He can't fix it until I say, here you go. Here's this thing. I don't know what it is that you most want or that, you, that matters the most to you right now. I know one way I've experienced this with God where I finally brought something to him and I saw him fix something I never could. When I turned 17, I know I'm gonna sound like a total nerd here. I wrote out some life goals. And one of those life goals was I wanted to publish my first book when I turned 30. It was like, you know, publish first book at age 30. Well, to do that, I went to college. I studied journalism. I became a journalist. I got an agent. I started trying to publish my first book and it was unsuccessful. It was in that time that I met God and he got a hold of my heart and eventually he called me to be a pastor. So at age 28, I completely walked away from my journalism career. And I, I went to pastor a church of 40 people up in the mountains of Arizona. And I remember every time I would drive from Scottsdale, Arizona, where I lived, up the mountains to this little tiny church, I felt like I was driving up there. And it was like I was stabbing a knife in the heart of my lifelong dream, which was to write books. And I finally surrendered. I just said, you know what, God? I'm gonna stop holding this thing. Maybe I'll never write again in the rest of my life. I'm your servant. I will go and just serve you. And guess what happened? I went to that church and I just was faithful. I wasn't perfect. But a couple of years later, my first book came out. And it happened not because I was still a journalist, but because I was willing to let go of that. I gave God what mattered most to me. And, and then he gave it right back. In fact, now in my office, right behind where I sit, I've got a picture here of four books of mine that have been published. My point of this isn't the books or me. My point is every one of us has something that matters the most to us. And God wants to surprise you in that area. He wants to do bigger things than you could ask or imagine. But if you're holding it close to you like this and you're like, God, this thing matters so much, you can have all these other areas of my life, but you can't have this, you're not gonna see the miracle. Think about this. Hannah, after Samuel was born, she could have gone back on her vow, right? And she could have said, no, no, my boy's just, he's too cute. He's too precious. I'm not gonna give him back to God. And if she had done that, she would have missed out on the eternal legacy that her son grows up to become a famous prophet, globally influential, change the course of history, have two books of the Bible named after him. All happened because Hannah was willing to surrender control to God and to do that year after year. I know for me, every day that I wake up, there's something in life that I want to control. 
And if I really want to experience God, I've got to give that thing back to him. I don't know what that thing is for you today. Look at how Hannah experiences God doing a miracle here in chapter three. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him. And everything Samuel said proved to be reliable. And all Israel, from the north to the south, you know, pretty much from LA to New York, from Michigan to Florida, the whole nation knew that Samuel was confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. Now, this is significant spiritually. This is significant for us because he's going to end up anointing the kings who are part of Jesus eventually coming. But here's the thing for Hannah's life. I mentioned earlier that she lived in a shame-honor culture and that when she first cried out to God, she was in the most shameful position that a woman could be in at that time. Now what's going to happen is her son ends up being the most honored figure in the entire nation. So Hannah goes from having a few people around her who know her, who all are bullying her, to having the whole nation know her and say, wow, you're the mom of Samuel? Oh my goodness. How did this happen? It happened because she brought God her emotions. She brought God what mattered to her and she did it over and over and over again. Through many, many tears and through many, many years, she continues to bring to God the things that matter the most to her. And her son, Samuel, chapter four, verse one, his word ends up going out to all of Israel. In other words, just like here in Indiana, when the governor says, hey, I've got a press conference about COVID-19 and everyone tunes in, the whole nation of Israel is tuned into Samuel to see what he has to say. Mom's don't underestimate the power of your prayers over years and years. Don't underestimate the power of your tears when you bring them to God. Bring them to God. Allow him to show you his faithfulness. You know, this is what Abraham Lincoln's mom did. I love this quote from Abraham Lincoln, the man who oversaw the United States. I mean, think of all the turmoil we're going through as a country right now, but imagine when the nation was literally divided and people were killing each other and slaves needed to be set free. And I love this quote from Abraham Lincoln. He says, no one is poor who had a godly mother. Mothers, the greatest inheritance you can give your children is to be godly, to pray for them, to point them to the word of God, to, to keep encouraging them that God will help them. They're gonna make bad choices. I made a lot of bad choices. Keep praying for them, keep loving them. And I love the rest of this quote from Abraham Lincoln, man who probably did more for the freedom of people in this nation than anyone else. He says, all that I am or all that I ever hope to be, I owe to my mother, the, the legacy, the eternal legacy of a godly mother. Well, there's a third thing that you can control even when your life seems out of control, and it's this. You choose to serve God even when you're overlooked, even when you're surrounded by jerks. Now, I don't have the time to unpack it, but in your Life Application Study Bible, you can read chapters two through four of 1 Samuel, and you'll find out that as Samuel grows up, He's surrounded by these lustful, evil young men. And if you're nervous about your kids being at a college dorm or you're nervous about the other kind of kids on their sports teams or at their high school or whatever else, guess what? Samuel was surrounded by these really, really evil, 
older boys who he should have normally, would normally look up to and become like. But somehow through the prayers of his mom and through his own choices, he chooses to serve God in an environment where other people weren't serving God. I can't imagine for Hannah, it was well known how bad this environment was, how hard it was for her to admit the thing that matters the most to me, my son, I can't control the environment that he's in. And I love it that Samuel, as he grows up, he ends up following in the footsteps of his mom. And even though these evil guys around him, they bully him, they make fun of him for believing in God, he continues to serve God and to seek God. And what happens? Well, God shows that he's watching and then God rewards it. You know, I've learned in my life that growing spiritually, I used to think of it like a staircase where you just keep taking a next step. And that, that's true to an extent. But now I think it looks a little more like this. This is called terrace farming. I don't know if you've ever seen this on a hillside where uh, in different countries, there's some of these out in California as well, they carve into the hillside. And so you get up a level and, and then you go up another level and you go up another level. And, and I've learned in my relationship with Christ that really when I bring in my emotions like Hannah did, he, he kind of grows me. And, and a lot of times I'll live at one level and then he'll give me another step. He'll give me another step. Here's the thing. Every single one of us right now, I don't know if you're watching in, in Paraguay or in California or in some other county of Indiana. I don't know if you're an atheist or if you're far from God or if you've been in church for 30 years. We all have a next step to take. And here's where I want to encourage you to join me in taking your next step. What's a good next step? Well, some of you, I know you're only watching this because your mom asked you to. Way to go. You're a good son. You're a good husband. Good Mother's Day gift for mom that you watched church with her. Guess what? You know, it'd be the greatest gift you could give her and yourself. Say, I'm going to do this every weekend. I have seen God transform my life. I've seen him transform so many other people's lives and it just happens one step at a time. Your first step is to just say, you know what? Every weekend, it's as easy as anything else. You can do it from your couch, right? There's very few excuses. Join us here. God wants to speak to you. He cares about what's going on in your life. There's another step you can take. We send out just a one minute devotional every day. If you're like God's speaking to you and you want a little more, you can sign up for those. You can start praying just like Hannah and saying, God, here's my emotions. You can read the Bible. We'll send you one if you don't have one. Then in time, you join a small group or a study like our women's Bible study. We've got 300 women in our online Bible study right now. And then in time, God teaches you that as you give to him financially and your time and your talents, he gives back to you more than you could ever imagine. Let me give you some very simple ways. Identify your step here. Is it the first one? Is it, which step is it? Now, here's how you take that step. Very simply, you just text the word. Okay, if your step is, you know, I, I actually want to be part of church. I, I, this is kind of interesting. I'll do this for a few weeks. Text the word reminder to 317-350-1996. And if you text us the word reminder, we'll just send you, we won't bombard you, but we'll just send you one little text every week. Text the word daily, we'll send you a daily devo. Text the word Bible, we'll deliver one to your house or mail one to you. Text the word group to get in a small group or women to be in our women's Bible study. And you can keep growing with us here. Well, let's return right where we started. I showed you this picture of my mother and me when I was just a boy. 
and how hard it must have been for her as I grew up and went off on my own and have a godly mom who has prayed for me every day of my life, but I went through a season where I pushed away from that. And in that season, she couldn't control who I was gonna become or the choices I was making, but she ended up kind of controlling it anyway. How? Because she brought it to God. I don't know what matters the most to you today, but I know that you have a father in heaven who cares. Would you bring it to him? I wanna help you do that right now. Father, we bring to you everything in each of our lives. We just identify what it is that matters the most to us. And just like Hannah in this moment, we bring that thing to you. God, I pray in these next seven days that you'd give us the strength to keep bringing it to you and then give us the willpower to gather here again next week. Lord, that we would make gathering to hear from you that we wanna hear you speak every single weekend. And just like Hannah, as she brought you her emotions one week at a time, one year at a time, Lord, that just like you did a miracle for her, you'll do miracles in us and through us. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen.